0: Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the fourth episode of Everyone Hates Moscow. I'm uh, I'm as surprised as you are that we've made it this far. Anyway, so thank you, dear listeners, for sticking with us. It has certainly been an interesting week here in Russia, and we've got a busy episode lined up for you guys today. Our main guest appearance will feature Andrei Zakharov, a reporter at Russia's RBC news outlet, who worked on uh, this, this this, frankly, very amazing, detailed report. On the efforts of the infamous Saint Petersburg troll factory to influence the U.S. presidential election, I think Zakharov's interview will interest our American listeners, especially since it's it's I think the first real, real deep report on on Russian meddling efforts. And uh, what what really makes it stand out is that it provides us with actual metrics by which we can begin to seriously assess the scope and impact of Russia's attempts to to sow chaos into an already chaotic election cycle. Man, I'm sorry to have stopped you there, but you're forgetting about something.
1: Oh God, no. Do we have to go there? Really?
2: I'm afraid so. Uh, we really have We really have to start with some domestic politics first. Uh, it's been, it, it's five months left until Russia's presidential elections. And this week, the first candidate finally came out and declared their bid. And no, it's not Vladimir Putin who has yet to formally announce his candidacy, even though everyone knows he's running and everyone knows he will win. No, this time it's Ksenia Sobchak.
1: Okay, for those of you who don't know who Ksenia is, there's a whole list of words media outlets use to describe her. And it's quite a long list because she's been pretty much anything you can think of. But first and foremost, she's the daughter of Anatoly Sobchak, a famous Russian politician who used to be the mayor of St. Petersburg, and Vladimir Putin's personal and political mentor. Putin and Sobchak were very close, and he's even rumored to be Ksenia's godfather.
0: I, uh, I think it's important to stress the relationship between Anatoly Sobchak and Vladimir Putin. Um, Sobchak is basically the reason that Putin got into politics. He gave him his first job in government. And I think Putin is a man who values loyalty above above probably any other characteristic. And so there's this really, there was this really strong relationship between the two of them. And it's something I think Ksenia has, has certainly benefited from.
1: True. But at the same time, she's one of the most unpopular public figures in Russia with disapproval ratings well north of 60 points. And that's before her campaign even started. She became famous for being an out-of-control socialite, caught up in a swirl of glamorous parties, dubious affairs, and wealth and fame that she clearly didn't know what to do with. Adding insult to injury, she then started her own reality TV show called uh, Dom, which is Russian for house or home, and it was a ripoff of the famous Big Brother. It was about couples building a house together, living in it, and trying to build relationships in the process. Let me just say that the show was so bad, so cheap, and so trashy that very soon its name became the synonym for bad taste in Russia.
2: Uh, Then in late 2011, she did a U-turn and became an opposition activist, speaking at rallies and briefly dating one of the most prominent opposition members. She was even detained a couple of times, uh, immediately released, but she did snap a couple of selfies inside the police van. Uh, Her fancy apartment in downtown Moscow also got raided, and cops seized some stacks of cash, later returned... Uh, The cash was her fees for entertaining crowds of corporate fat cats. Uh, She's a professional and highly sought after MC with booking fees in five figures in dollars and euros.
1: Around the same time she started her journalistic career and I think her first ever reporting masterpiece was a cell phone video of some government official eating ridiculously expensive oysters at an upscale Moscow restaurant. She confronted and mocked him in that video, pointing out that a modest salary of a government official would hardly cover a $400 plate of oysters. Needless to say, it went viral rather quickly, and soon enough she was doing some high-profile interviews for the Doge, opposition TV channel. Alexei, who were the people you remember the most that she interviewed? Uh, She's done some
2: very high-profile interviews with people like Ramzan Kadyrov, the terrifying thug who rules the Republic of Chechnya, and she's also famously bungled several interviews, uh, asking questions so bizarre that everyone was like, what the fuck, Senior, really? There's, this, there's one she did with Pussy Riot, the all-female punk band just released from prison where they spent two years for singing and dancing in a church. And the first question Sabchak asks them, you got out of prison famous and wealthy. So here's the question. How much is the Pussy Riot brand worth?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's certainly some hard-hitting shit. Um, but uh, I, I, I think now is a good time to read off a few of her political tweets, uh, conveniently compiled by Medusa, just to give our listeners a sense of, of what Ksenia is all about. Um, so here I picked three of them that I, that I like. There's certainly others I could have chosen, but these are good. Tweet number one from December 10th, 2011, in reference to a protest movement that rocked Moscow. She tweets, quote, how cool. I came to yoga and the whole class is going to a rally. Smiley face. On uh, on June twelfth, twenty twelve, in reference to a police raid on her apartment that Alexi mentioned, uh, they discovered envelopes full of cash amounting to over two million dollars. Uh, she tweets, "Quote: If Ksenia Sobchak appeared in your dreams, it means the police will soon be raiding your home." End quote. It is uh, it is noteworthy that that money was returned eventually, and she escaped tax evasion charges. And then number three is my favorite tweet. Now in the context that she's running for president. And this tweet refers to the candidacy of oligarch Mikhail Prokhorov, who formerly owned the Brooklyn Nets with Jay-Z, probably how most of you know him. Uh, and this was during the 2012 presidential election, so the, the last time Putin ran for president. Quote, I figured it out. Prokhorov has been called on again to divert the votes to himself. It's all in agreement. The Kremlin has understood that, that an alternative is needed. End quote. That tweet definitely did
2: not age well. <laughs> Indeed.
0: Not at all. That's exactly what Cassania is doing now. Um, so if any of you want to check out some more stuff about her in English, I, I highly recommend two pieces. One of them is by Financial Times correspondent Courtney Weaver. It's one of uh, their Lunch with the FT columns. So just Google Subchak Lunch FT, and you should find it. The second is a historical breakdown by BuzzFeed of, of that, that interview Subchak did with Pussy Riot that Alexei just talked about. Um, also just fucking hysterical um but anyway Dasha, what what has Sobchak been doing recently? She's she's not, as far as I know, really been heavily in the political scene in the last few years.
1: As far as I know, right now she runs a fancy restaurant in the very heart of Moscow. I've been there once, nothing special at all really, aside from maybe the interior, which was nice. She also is the editor-in-chief of the official fashion magazine. She still hosts a TV show on the Doge TV channel. She recently gave birth and raises a child and judging by her Instagram, always finds the time to travel somewhere lavish or spend time on a yacht somewhere showing off her lifestyle. So that's her, Russian first female presidential candidate in 13 years, Ksenia Sobchak.
0: Woo! Uh, uh, um, Dasha, I'm uh, I'm probably going to regret asking you this, but how can you call yourself a feminist and not support the female candidate?
1: Yes, I get that a lot on Twitter these days. Interestingly enough, from men... Apparently, feminists are supposed to support female candidates no matter how good or bad they are, and I'm not allowed to mock or criticize Subchak because that would be sexist on my part. Ha ha. In seriousness, though, I might be the wrong kind of feminist, but I think that supporting a female candidate just for being female is as sexist as not supporting a candidate because they're female. Sadly, very few people seem to be with me on that.
0: (sighs) Well— it sounds a lot like what we went through in the 2016 election, too, and I, I know I'm going to pay for that comment as well. Um, but have fun with that. Um, anyway, I just want to throw out my my two takes on this whole thing. Um, first, like many Russian liberal opposition folk, I I felt a sense of despair over this news. And, and maybe I'm being melodramatic, but it feels like like possibly the most cynical farce ever perpetrated on Russian democracy— Obviously, she's a Kremlin spoiler candidate, like Prokhorov was, but at least with Prokhorov, you could pretend that that, that there was like a sincere competition going on. Um, this one just feels like nobody really even cares about pretending that there's a contest anymore. Look no further than her own campaign slogans, which are basically, don't vote for me, vote against everybody else. And and when I saw this, you know, maybe some people saw it as sort of like a witty opposition phrase, but I, I saw just... Complete lack of any any sincere platform at all. And, and uh, essentially, I have nothing to offer you, but please flatter me with your protest vote. It's just it's just kind of sad, I guess. My other feeling, and, and maybe Alexei will have more to say about this, is that that it's a huge slap in the face to the only real leader that the Russian opposition has, and I'm, I'm talking, of course, about opposition blogger Alexei Navalny. Uh, say what you will about Navalny, that he's not a serious candidate himself, or that he's got some concerning nationalist views whatever, but that dude has been out there on the barricades for years, and now he's struggling under regular arrests to get on the 2018 presidential ballot. So by Ksenia stepping up and doing whatever it is she thinks she's doing, uh, she really opens the door to the Kremlin fucking him over completely and doing it in a way that they can still claim that there's an opposition candidate in the race. So I guess it's really just a total farce, but Alexei, tell us how you feel. So announced her candidacy as an obvious spoiler, immediately
2: alienating Navalny's entire base. So she claims now that she's prepared to step aside and endorse Navalny if if he's registered as a candidate. But why doesn't she just step aside right now and save us all the national embarrassment? And I can understand why a lot of our colleagues in the media are unhappy. Because everything Sabchak has said so far turned out to be a lie or at least a deception. And we don't like being continually bullshitted. When these rumors of her candidacy first surfaced some five or six weeks ago, she feigned indignation and attacked the reporters for not approaching her for a comment, And now, it turns out, it it has been her plan all along. Her campaign announcement was published in Vedamistia, a business newspaper, a couple of days ago. But if you look at the URL of of the article on Vedamistia's website, the date is September 30. So it's just been embargoed for two weeks. Also, we're now forced to cover what is essentially a gimmick. A candidate who started her campaign with half-truths, lies, and her entire platform is literally, vote for me because I'm a political nothing.
1: I agree with you both, guys. All of this makes me angry, too. But... As far as the Kremlin goes, I mean, if it is indeed their ploy, it's not the dumbest one, you gotta admit. They desperately need to make this presidential election interesting enough for people to go to the polls. The presidential administration wants quite a high turnout, I heard that they're after something around 70% to make Putin's victory rock-solid legitimate, so there must be some bombshell that would make the election at least a bit more fun than usual. Obviously, if there's just Putin on the ballot with the usual dinosaurs like communist Gennady Zyuganov or the aging clown Vladimir Zhirinovsky, why bother to vote? And Subchek is the perfect candidate for those who are not going to be interested in, in in a race of dinosaurs. Look, she's a TV and social media celebrity, so there goes the youth vote. She's a self made career woman who also has a family and she runs a fashion magazine, so. There goes the female vote. Finally, she used to hang out with liberal opposition, so there goes the protest vote. Because a lot of people want to support an opposition candidate, but they're still on the fence about Navalny. I guess the main intrigue now for me is what Navalny will say about all this. We haven't heard from him yet, but they used to be buddies, if not to say allies, in the good old days. Okay, guys, is there something that you want to add on the subject of Ksenia Sobchak? Uh,
0: No... But I'm I'm sure we're going to have to continuously uh, revisit this over the next five five months of campaign hell.
1: Fair enough. So thank you, everyone, for sticking with us. Unfortunately, I have to bounce now, but Matt and Alexei will stay and talk to our really cool guest. Stay tuned. (laughs)
0: Thank you everyone for sticking with us through our discussion on Ksenia Sobchak's presidential bid. And now let's get on to what I imagine is, for our American listeners, the main event. Um, this will be a Q&A with Andrei Zakharov, one of the Russian reporters behind a massive investigation into the Internet Research Agency, better known as the infamous troll farm in St. Petersburg. The report was published in a Russian publication known as RBC, and it's probably the most detailed report on Russian election interference to date. For those of you who don't read Russian and have not seen the report, let me take a moment to summarize the findings. Beginning in June 2015, the Internet Research Agency began to employ up to 90 people on what was known as the America desk. This by the way constituted about a third of the company's workforce. Um, Their job was to spread online content with the apparent goal of deepening racial and political discord in America rather than support any single candidate in the election. They were truly just asked to be chaos agents with no real purpose. Andre's reporting is noteworthy because, for perhaps the first time, the story features metrics that allow us to understand the scope of these efforts. There's a lot of good stuff in this report in the way of, of numbers, so just bear, bear with me as I run through them, and then we can give Andre the floor. The first thing to note is that this was a very good job by Russian standards. It's hard for young people to find salaries like this on the market. The average salary for a grunt troll came out to just $1,000 a month. Managers could get anywhere from $1,500 to 2000 dollars over the course of two years, RBC found that the Internet Research Agency spent about $2.2 million on its U.S. efforts. Um, though it's important to note that about $2 million of this, or, or, or around $1 million a year, went to salaries. This leaves us with about $1,800 devoted to buying Facebook ads and paying activists in America. These efforts built a social media content network that at its height reached some 30 million people per week and had about 6 million subscribers. Um, Eighty thousand dollars of the budget went to paying hundred American activists to to organize around forty rallies across the United States. Now, to me, this sounds like it stacks up with what Facebook and other so, other social media companies have been telling us about their own investigations. Um, but I think with that, let's hand it over to Andre and get this discussion started. So, uh, welcome Andre to the show. Hello. Welcome, welcome, um, Alexi. I think you wanted to take the first question. So, Andre, your investigation shows that
2: despite all the sceptics about Russia meddling with the uh, United States elections, despite all the eyes rolling uh, about how ridiculous those allegations about Facebook sounded, we did meddle uh, with the U.S. elections, that's a fact. Uh, so, to what extent, in your opinion, did we actually manage to influence the outcome?
3: Well, uh, first I should say that, uh, as we tried to show, uh, the trolls factory, they really didn't try didn't try to support any candidate i mean yes they some of their groups they criticized Hillary uh very much uh, but there was no aim to support just on trump and uh most groups were, were devoted to black protest uh black activists uh, black problems of black population and, uh, and these groups uh before during and after elections there were a lot of posts with uh, uh, criticism to trump and even uh, some uh, organizations organized uh, protests against trump so as we see uh, the aim was not to support just one candidate but to to raise tensions i should say to to discuss uh, the main problems of 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 the state so they tried to to interfere i think <clears throat> you know we should say that they try not to interfere into the elections, but to interfere into the, into the situation in, in the country. I should say, uh, because uh, in this case we can see whether they really wanted Trump to win or or they just wanted to 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 raise all these tensions. And to to measure to measure this interference, to understand whether it was high or not, it's it's very difficult. Uh, it's a, it's a very f- difficult theme because how to how to, to measure whether this interference was great or not. It's I think it's up to our American colleagues to understand uh, whether they could whether they could really raise these tensions. I just took um, for example I took uh, a uh, number of likers of uh, Black Lives Matter uh, Facebook group. It's about uh, 400,000. And uh, in Black Matter Yes, that's Straw's Factory group, which tried to to look like Black Lives Matter, and uh, th- uh, there was about there were about uh, 200,000 likers, likers there. So official group had about has still has about uh, 400,000, and fake group uh, had uh, 200,000. In this case. Maybe they could influence the situation because if black life matters really black lives matter really uh influenced the situation in the country now, so maybe this fake group also could interfere into uh the situation of the country but it's up to uh our American colleagues to understand whether they could do it really or not
0: interesting interesting
3: so um you know
0: this this idea this idea of of impact is one of the lingering debates in the u s discussion uh, of election interference, and uh, I do agree that it's it's on on the American side to 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 evaluate that. Um, but i I've been curious about this idea of whether or not the internet rela- uh, the internet research agency was was uh, so to speak freelancing. And so I'm wondering like, in your reporting, did you get the sense that this outfit was was of conducting these operations on their own initiative, or was there some sort of understanding with the Kremlin that uh, that they should be doing this? That this was a favorable thing to do.
3: Um, you know, uh, when uh, Volodya wasn't in in, uh, in the Kremlin, uh, uh, it is said that he 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 had uh, permanent communications with uh, not permanent, but by, uh, but sometimes he communicated communicated with uh, the Trolls Factory, with its top managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is such an opinion. Uh, and, and this is the uh, head um, of
0: the Internet Research Agency?
3: Uh, no, no. Vol- no. Volody, who was in the Kremlin, yes. Who is uh, okay. the head of the yes. State Duma now, yes. And yes, okay. he had... Uh, there is such opinion that he had... Uh, that he communicated with uh, people who are at the top of uh, the Trolls Factory... Uh, and this or that way, not he uh himself by uh through his uh people, I don't know, but there was some kind of communication mm-hmm. uh our sources say and but then there is an opinion that when Kirienka came to the Kremlin uh this communication uh uh came down a little bit, mm-hmm. so we tried to understand whether. <coughs> whether there was a tense communication or not. Uh, but in the end, we we, we understood that <coughs> the main aim of this investigation would be to show how the trolls factory worked during and before the elections. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we put this question away. Uh, we just gave an opportunity for our sources to say their opinion, and they said that they were something like, yeah really they it was a free freelance for them i mean there was a main to- main aim to 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 work in the us and all other th- other stuff uh was up to them but it, it is, it, uh, these words uh, were said by people from the trolls factory and we uh, we shouldn't believe them mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yes yes <laughs> but Definitely. yes yes but there is an opinion that uh at the moment there is Less communication between uh, the Kremlin and the trolls factory, but I, but uh, I should uh, uh outline that in this case, I don't have enough sources to say whether uh, this communication is very close or not. I just know, okay. I just know that what what they say and what uh, some sources say that really uh, sometimes they, 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 they're more free in this, in these cases
2: so Andre uh, because we're both Russian journalists. This sounds completely natural to us, but would you mind explaining to our foreign audience what freelancing uh, in, in Russian politics means? Um, I mean, we all know uh, how tightly the ship is run with the state media, with the state news agencies and, and TV networks. Uh, but then we, when, when we're seeing these reports on the, on the television on Russian television, completely made, completely made up, completely fake. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, it wasn't Valodin or uh, another de- deputy uh, head of the presidential administration uh, or whatever who is calling these TV channels and, uh, and telling them go cook up some crazy report about the crucified uh, uh, boy uh, in eastern Ukraine or something like that. No, that's uh, uh, to, So to, in, in your mind to what extent are people are actually f- uh, freelancing in Russia, how free uh, these political operators on the fringes uh, are?
3: Well, I think I think yes. Uh, this <laughs> this system is uh, the level of this fluency system is very high uh, because everybody I mean everybody knows its aim. Uh, every, everybody knows what they should do. Uh, if we speak about TV uh, state TV channels, uh, everybody knows that they should produce fake news to support uh, this or that uh, opinion. And so they um they they don't go every hour to the Kremlin to, to ask whether uh, uh they should do or they should make this report or that. Yes, it's like a system and everybody knows its place in this system. Uh even even if uh he or she doesn't believe in what she's doing, even if he or she hates uh what uh, she or he is doing, but they they do it. It's like um, I, I I talked with a lot of people from the Trolls factory, and you know that most of them they know that they do something very bad, but they say I have to I have to work somewhere, so that's why I work here, you know. And only less of them really like what they do, but because they are patriotic and pro Kremlin, and uh, so yes, the system is very interesting. I'm not sure that uh, there is the same system of uh, freelancing in the U.S.
2: (laughs) Okay, one more more for me, can I just uh, uh, follow a quick follow-up? So this is very interesting because uh, me and Matt, we wrote this this story for the Moscow Times about the the inner workings of uh, uh, RT, Russia Today, Uh, and we also talked to people uh, who are trained uh, in these, uh, how do you call those the, the those um, uh, the, that that gap here in the in, in Russian universities, where you where you basically spend a month in uh, military service,
0: something uh, like uh, I guess it would just be psychological officer. warfare operations.
2: <laughs> no, I mean it's a, it's a, it's that period when you're it's, it's like a reserve. Officer oh, ROTC, yeah. Reserve yeah.
0: Officer Training Corps. Yeah.
2: Uh, so we talked to people who went from uh, our colleagues uh, from from the Moscow State University Journalism Department. Uh, and they were they were com- these compulsory military trainings for all uh, university students for, for uh, males of course, uh, and everyone we talked to, uh, they said there was a spirit that they 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 knew they were engaged in, the, in something that is uh, morally wrong, and there was a spirit of uh, moral ambivalence about the whole thing. So this is the this is how th- th- these people are in in these troll factories. They're actually self-aware, right? So they. they they do realize what they're doing.
3: Yes, but uh, in, if you speak about American Department, for them it was they say. It was very funny because, you know, most of them are young people and their case was not very usual because they had to to not to, to produce fake news, but to produce fake organizations, you know, to, to call real activists, to make interviews. I mean, f- for them, even if they knew that they uh, knew... They, they, they did something uh, morally bad, but anyway, it was funny for them. I mean, it, it was a spirit of, of some fun. They say, uh, it, it's yeah. this way. And uh, one more, one more thing. In another department of uh, uh, the trolls factory, I know one girl, who, her, her, one, her, uh, her dream is to move to the U.S. She was in the U.S. several times, and <laughs> yes, and. And everybody, everybody, everybody in her department knows that she wants to move to the US. And once I found a photo on her in, in, in her Instagram where she shows uh, American visa because it was uh, 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 it was time when she was going to go to, for, for, uh, to the US for summer. And she wrote something with great pride that okay I will go to this um, uh, now. And when I I made my report, my previous report about the Charles Factory, I wrote her just to ask questions about Charles Factory. And I know that she was very very scared that if I write about her, her dream will go over. You know, and everybody knew <laughs> that she is very, She was very scared. <laughs> She, she closed all is, her accounts. She closed all her accounts, uh, so it's very interesting to someone. <laughs>
2: that, that happened to me. That happened to me when I was investigating this another another troll factory, but in Moscow's yes. city hall. You know, Moscow Moscow's mayor runs his own troll factory, and I talked to one of these people. It's exactly the same story. Uh, they pretend to be ordinary Muscovites but they uh, they all post Instagram pictures uh, from you know their vacations in in, in Andorra. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It, it, it's, it's, it's crazy because this also, this also reminds me of something that I've reported on, which is the internal workings of RT. And, you know, my, one of the main impressions I have, especially from the Russians who work there, is that they're all highly educated, relatively liberal Russians who understand that what they're doing is borderline evil. Mm-hmm. And, and they all have this, like, deep guilt about it. But, again, it's a great job that pays higher than most other jobs you can find at that age. Yeah. And and so it's just that it's just it's a really interesting part of this that I I keep seeing in every story about these Russian sort of counter information operations. And you know one
3: one more thing, uh, there is immigration between these three groups in the Trolls Factory. Uh, oh really? Yes, I heard people. Uh, said to me that I mean, uh, uh, a student uh, comes to the Trolls Factory, and he knows that he uh, his job is not very good, but then he he he. Still he starts to believe in uh, in what he is doing. I mean, he he uh, becomes patriotic, and there is there is migration. I know people who migrated from one group for, to another group, and uh, before <laughs> it, uh, they they communicated with me, but now they they think that I'm uh, an enemy. You know. Mm. Um
0: There's one other thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, we're talking about you know these people are 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 interacting. They're actually interacting with people in America. Like in, in your story, you, you know, they they organized. They, they worked with 100 activists to, yeah. to organize like 40 rallies. BuzzFeed did a really interesting thing where they, I guess they found some of these activists who were in contact with, with some of these trolls. And it, it just, it's just really interesting because what they don't know where the money was coming from. Often they didn't even realize they were talking to a Russian. But it, it becomes this really interesting problem because what they're doing is they're organizing rallies that they were going to try to organize anyway. And to express views that are legitimately held, and so it just adds this whole this whole problem to the to to the whole discussion about you know where do you draw the line where does Russian influence start when you when when really all that's happening is that these people without really any knowledge of of where they're getting their money are 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 organizing rallies that are legitimate in in basically every count, and so I, I just an
3: interesting point for for Americans to think about. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, you know, now I receive uh, emails from my American colleagues, and they ask me and Paulina... Uh, they they send they send us a link to some uh, rally uh, or protest uh, <laughs> in the US that uh, that happened one year ago, and ask us whether it was organized by the trolls or not. You know. Oh so, God. So yeah, there is a, <laughs> there is some some kind of panic at the moment. I think. Definitely. Uh, definitely. <laughs> It's 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 crazy and
0: and so, you know, uh, like like we've been talking about, like the impact of these efforts remains an open question. Um, and I was wondering from you maybe in talking talking to these trolls, how did the Internet Research Agency itself measure success? Uh, certainly, like every company has internal performance metrics, right? Um, so if I'm hired to troll Americans and to organize rallies in America, how does my boss measure my performance? And and like, how do how do I know, and how does the company know that I'm being an effective chaos agent?
3: Well, it's uh, so a common they they measure this uh, work very very high. They think it was very okay. effective. Yes. Uh, as for rally, the the, the most the most uh, the biggest rally was in Florida. I think this uh, community, being patriotic, they organized seventeen uh, pro Trump. Uh, meetings uh, in in Florida. It was called Florida Goes Trump, I think. Mm -hmm. And I I had a statistic somewhere, it was very popular. Some of them were visited by five people. Uh, There was a a fake organization, United Muslims of America, and they organized a a protest near the White House. It was visited by five people. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes it, but uh, sometimes they say in Charlotte they're going to have the protest against Trump and it was visited by 150 people. I think for Charlotte okay. that's enough, yes. Uh, but for them, for them, the whole company was very effective. Even if only five people came to the White House, it is still very effective because, you know, their aim was not to organize real protests. Protest. Their aim was to, to, to make the to make their communities and groups to look like real ones. You know, when you open Black Matters US website and you see that they organize protests here and there, you start to believe that it's, this, this is a real organization. So their first aim was to, to, to make such reputation, uh, not to, to organize uh, protests all over the country. Okay.
2: Okay, In- so it's a way of legitimizing itself, right?
3: Yes. For what, though?
0: What's the end? What's the end? What's
3: the end game? For uh,
0: after after you legitimize yourself, what? Like, what did they think they needed to be legitimized to do? To just to, to continue
3: to spread chaos? Yes, to, to to spread information, to spread all this uh, post uh, and fake news. Oh no, they even didn't produce fake news. They mostly produced uh, very uh, all this video, music, and 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 uh, photos, you know, and uh, memes. <laughs> yes, because just imagine if Trump. Uh, did not win, and uh, Hillary uh, um, uh, was the president. I think uh, all of this group would still work. Just imagine.
0: Right. <laughs> <But> I
1: I'm, would uh, <laughs> be great. I'm,
2: there's a question I keep asking myself. I'm. Uh, I wonder if Andre, you, you have uh, something uh, in response. So we're hearing about how the, these Russian operatives are. You know, using internal, exploiting internal divisions in the United States to sow chaos, but uh, to what end? I mean, these people. Uh, if you look at the um, at the uh, at the Russian uh, property ads in, Flo- in in Sunny Isles, uh, Florida, <laughs> you'll see that half of them are in Russian. So, uh, what do you think? So, to what end? I mean, causing the chaos to do what? Especially if you have. Uh, so many uh, Russians go, go, coming to high-profile Russians uh, coming to ski in Aspen and, <laughs> uh, and spend the winter in, in Sunny Isles Beach, uh, Florida. Uh, Why stoke uh, ra- especially racial tensions in a country where you have so much uh, you, you've, you, you have so much invested in the in, in, the, in the country and you have uh, your you have your kids going to uh, the Ivy League uh, colleges and uh, you have property and yeah. uh, you have. You have, your st- you, you have your money stashed in American banks. Why uh, cause chaos in a country where you have so much at stake?
3: Well, I think, you know, it, uh, we again should uh, speak about this freelancing. Uh, the Trolls Factory itself is just a place where people uh, are sitting and writing comments in, uh, in, uh, in blogs and uh, Facebook and in Twitter uh, and produce uh, news. Sometimes fake news. So their aim was to work some in somehow in the US, not just to put comments in Facebook like they did before, because they 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 had English department uh, since I think twenty eleven to twenty twelve when uh, after the time they were established. But their the aim was to 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 work in the country, um, not only with comments but with all these groups. And I think, but. I mean because when we we talked these these people we we saw that you know they just uh they just produced this group started these events but they even top managers i think they uh didn't plan something after that so uh it's up to up to, uh, uh that's the question to those people who are uh, who are, who sit in the Kremlin uh, what what uh, they wanted to do after after I don't know after the S uh, would become a part of Russia, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the trolls' aim was to 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 work there to to interfere to raise all these tensions and okay we will see what will ha- what will happen after that I think that's the answer so they did they, it, 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 they yeah. didn't know what 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 would be yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, very Russian approach, very opportunistic, and very no, yes. no, no long long term planning.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, so just a just a thought that occurred to me. Um, maybe I'm totally wrong. You guys can tell me. Um, so we, we were talking about our competition between like RT, the Internet Research Agency, and some of these other outlets that all look very similar. Um, how much of this could simply be that the guy who owns the Internet Research Agency wanted wanted to take a chunk out of out of Margarita Simonyan's the, the head of RT's pie? Um, by trying to show that they have more more of a network in the U.S., that they're more capable of just getting to people and spreading a message to people than RT. Uh, do we do we think that that might have been a factor, that you could explain so much of this behavior just on internal budget jockeying?
3: Uh, well, I think we uh, should say that it is support that uh, the Trolls Factory is sponsored by Ev- Evgeny Prigozhin, mm-hmm. whose company uh, wins most contracts for for the Kremlin catering, and also his companies uh, work for the military of defense, and uh, he's supposed to be sponsor of private military company who, who struggles in Syria now. So uh, yes, uh, I think we should speak not about RT money, RT budget. Okay. Uh, we should speak just uh, about um, you know it's like. Uh, if the trolls factory uh, works effectively, uh, everything will be okay in uh, other part of his business, you know okay. So if he shows that he can effectively uh, uh, if if he show that he can uh, uh, show results in in uh, in his activities with trolling, so I think he 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 will get all these contracts. He will continue to get all these co- contracts. Although t- there is opinion that he has some problems, some tensions with the mi- 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 Ministry of Defense now, and uh, so I think we should speak about this thing, not about RTB yet, interesting. Yet, yeah, I, yeah, RT budget, yeah, because RT is part of. I think it's like another another tower of the Kremlin. No, sure. F- for him, uh, once we asked um, former top manager of the Taurus factory why he why he puts money. Uh, into the trolls Factory and uh, the Media Factory. And I don't know whether I could translate it in English. I, I can say it in in, in Russian, maybe, maybe. I'll help you translate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, that makes sense. Uh, okay, so uh, the gist of it is that uh, you, uh, you
2: don't always, uh, monetize your content on the s- same level as where you produce it. So you're making, okay. yeah. So you're making uh, stuff for uh, uh, on behalf of one group of people and selling it to the other, to another.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, okay. Shifting gears a little bit. One one of the things that I wanted to ask you about. So so another sort of dominant discussion in the in the U.S. Uh, discourse on on this topic um, is is the idea of financial scope um, in in terms of so it happened about a month ago when Facebook came out and said that it had identified like hundred thousand dollars in Facebook ads, um, and that actually seems to stack up with what you guys found. So I'm wondering if if one you and Facebook have identified the same effort, and if 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 that means that the Internet Research Agency was basically. The majority of what we were talking about, or or it was just the tip of the iceberg, because um, ten thousand dollars doesn't doesn't sound like a lot to me, um, and ninety people doesn't sound like a huge effort to me. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, are we going to find that there were more outlets like the Internet Research Agency, or do you think that this is it?
3: Yes, yeah, so if to speak about Facebook, they yes they they. Uh, um what was facebook was talking about yes they talked only about internet research agency and they found only the uh, only uh east groups uh, because they were still not very accurate and it was possible to 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 link uh, these groups with russia there are several um several opinions how they did it one is that uh, they used uh, some russian bank for for paying or what Facebook found is just only fa- uh, internet research agency uh, activity, and um, uh, they spent 120,000 euros uh, uh, because uh, they also paid a little bit to, to to Twitter, but mostly to Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, this is so exciting. This is so this this is so fascinating. I mean, this goes so deep.
0: We could do two hours on this, but I think everyone's going to kill us if we don't wrap up soon. Um, anyway, cool. So, Andre, thanks, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Uh, this was a good, good discussion, and and I hope that we can bring you on in the future. You're welcome. Um, if you uh, if you continue to pursue this topic at such a such an extraordinary level, um, we'll definitely ask you again. Um, Alexei, any any final thoughts?
2: Uh, not really. No. let <laughs> no? this part. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, we gotta that's, we gotta think about all this stuff.
2: Yeah. All right. Cool. Спасибо, Андрей. Отлично. Вообще, гениально получилось.
0: Пожалуйста. Okay. Cool. Thanks, man. And okay. uh, thank you to the listeners again. Cool. All right. Hitting stop.